What's going on, everybody? Brand new episode of the Load Management Podcast. This is Chops here in New York City. I got my main man, Adam, out in LA. Adam, what's going on? We are fresh off a long, long weekend in Vegas that was kind of consequential. It was very long. I'm so happy to be back in New York City. Yeah, you also had to take up. Well, you spent about four hours on a plane. I spent about four hours driving back to LA. So yeah, it's Vegas, as I was saying to Josh, our producer over here. Um, I think two days is a good kind of time to be in Vegas. Then any time after that, it just kind of wears on you and beats you up a little bit. So yeah, as as you are, I'm very happy to be home and to have the weekend past us. Yeah, and we'll fully get into some uh, Vegas recaps. Talk about the fight, of course. Yeah, no guests this week, just the guys chilling. You know, load management podcast. You know, we figured we'd. Uh, Give you guys one, just us. Let us talk our shit a little bit. You know, talk about some news. Uh, yeah, so we were in Vegas. Fury Wilder. Um, I I didn't bet on the fight. You did. You lost. That's I did. Hell. I had to rip up a ticket, yes. So before, before the fight went down, I decided to take a trip uh, about... 20 minutes before the pay-per-view kicked off and we had some time to kill in the arena. Uh, went over to the MGM Grand Sportsbook and uh, put a 50 spot on Deontay just to win straight up. But I think it was roughly a toss-up. So, yeah, um, the fight did not go the way I envisioned. Um, we both had predicted Wilder to win via knockout. And uh, I, I said props. second round. I said second round knockout. You said second round, yes. You, I was close. You were overly ambitious. I was close because Fury almost knocked him out in the second round. So I had uh, a well, feeling was... about the second round. Well, I'll say the second round was probably the best round overall for in terms of entertainment of the fight because Deontay arguably won that round. He won that on one uh, judge's scorecard. I thought about giving him that round in the second, but that was clearly the best round of the fight because you had action from both fighters, and it quickly deteriorated in the third round when... Deontay went down with that shot to the head, probably landed on the back of the head or the ear. I think he was complaining that it landed on the back of the ear, but um, that was the beginning of the end because uh, that maybe threw off his equilibrium the way his uh, co-trainer JD said after the press conference. And uh, clearly Tyson Fury um, executed his his strategy perfectly and and handed the beat down, but go ahead. Here's all you need to know. Deontay Wilder got his fucking ass kicked. It was an ass kicking. It wasn't even close. There was nothing that was close about this fight. How did nobody see this coming? Wilder was favored in Vegas. How did nobody see this coming? That's what I uh, want to know. It was a, he was a slight favorite. Um, no, but no, I, plus one thirty. Fury was plus one thirty when the fight started. That's a. I, I think that that's a pretty sizable underdog for the for this fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not I mean, for not for boxing. I mean, because generally in a lot of boxing matches, you'll see someone definitely, uh, you know, favorite compared to the underdog. It was relatively toss up, and they kind of held a little bit. You saw more action coming in Deontay towards the end. But your question about how did no one see this coming um, is fair because a lot of people did not pick. Tyson Fury to win and everyone very few, picked him. Very few. Very few. And even fewer people picked him to win by knockout. And uh for linear reasons, Tyson Fury uh pummeled Deontay. He destroyed Deontay. He dismantled Deontay. He bullied, brawled, and absolutely just dominated Deontay in ways that we've never seen before. So here's the thing. Props he, to, he said ahead. what he did was exactly what he said he was gonna do. Fury said he was gonna stand with him and box with him. And he did exactly that. Did Wilder not believe him? I mean, we talked to Deontay about it, and he yeah. said, "And he said, stand in there and do that, and it will be bad for you." Well, it was bad for you, Deontay. Yeah, it was bad. And, and I, mean, and I know- fuck with both of them. Here's the thing: I fuck with both these guys. Obviously, we had Wilder on the show. I really like Tyson Fury's personality. He fought back from so much shit—the depression, the weight, suicidal thoughts, drugs, all that. So I didn't mind seeing him win, but. Fuck, I'm kind of disappointed in Wilder showing in this fight. Obviously, boxing's not easy. I couldn't take one punch in a fucking ring. But it didn't live up to the hype as what I thought it was going to be. It was so one-sided. No, I agree with you on that. It, we hyped up this fight to mega levels, and it deserved it because of all the ramifications on the back backstories leading up to this fight. There were a ton of storylines about how important this fight was to boxing and to its premier, most glamorous division, the heavyweight division. But it didn't live up to the hype because Fury, with his 40-pound weight differential, was able to lean and drain the energy of Deontay. And I, again, that punch that landed, that knocked him out in the third round, um, clearly, according to Deontay's camp, Messed up his equilibrium. There's also been some talk that Deontay may have been dealing with a leg issue, and you can also add into the equation that he, he said no excuses. Fight. He said no he excuses. Did say, he did it in the ring. He said no excuses, but uh, and, and obviously 
things have come out afterwards that have been said on on his camp. Um, and there's no direct excuse. They're just kind of giving you kind of reasons and ramifications or, or explanations of why they think things didn't go their way. But in the grand scheme of things, all props and praise are due to the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, who, as you pointed out, Chops, is a lot of fun to follow and to see. I think at this point, he's become the best entertainer in sports. And that goes into him being a WWE guy who yeah. loves doing that. But, yeah. I mean, you saw the ring entrance. You were in the arena. He came out on the throne to, uh, what was the song, uh, Crazy? I would whatever give, it was. I'd give his ring entrance a 6 out of 10. It was boring. Song too slow. However... It was a very long slog to the ring. I'll give you that. However, right yeah, that. it took way too long. However, the post-fight celebration and performance, Deontay Wilder, friend of the pod. I don't want to be too mean to him, but this man came into that ring and took your belt and then sang five minutes of Don McLean's American Pie to you. Well, not to him. He just saying in general. All, no, like, that's. I'm saying it was to him. Okay. But 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 also he sang to, a twelve. He, he sang five minutes of a twelve minute did. song in an <laughs> he arena did. with he did 50, with seventeen thousand people. But oh yeah, and he had and all his and all supporters who again, as we predicted, vastly outnumbered Deontay's supporters just because boxing is such a bigger thing in the UK. Um, he had a hilarious sing along in the post fight. I was in singing. The ring. I was singing. Oh, were you? Were okay. you singing? I was singing. Why no, not? I was I writing. I was I was working. One, so, one, um, I, one, I love that song. Two, how many times are you going to get to do that? Yeah, it was, no, it's again, it, it was a whole, it was an amazing atmosphere unlike uh any I think you have witnessed and I haven't witnessed in boxing before. It was a cr truly electric, but I we'll, mean, I guess we'll wrap up the the talk we'll, about what we we'll, witnessed we'll in get the to wing. That. We'll get to the atmosphere in a second. Yeah. Was but this we'll wrap up. What, well, what, let me hold up. Let me let me let me talk. <laughs> All right, fine. You, you know, go. Go ahead. cuz you know I'm the point guard of this and and you're the shooting guard. Who is this worse for? Is this worse for Deontay Wilder or better for Tyson Fury? Because you know I like to do that. I usually like to give major props to someone or kind of blame it on someone. You know? We've done that in the past. And I'm sort of leaning, like, while this was very good for Tyson Fury, he was way more prepared, I can't get it out of my mind that this was just more of an L for Deontay Wilder. Does that no, make sense? I no, it's fine. It's, it's fine to have that vantage point. I don't agree with it because I think Tyson Fury... Again, expertly executed the strategy that he bragged and boasted about, and he is he. We knew that he was the better boxer, and he showed it. So, from my perspective, Tyson Fury did exactly what he said he was going to do, other than knocking him out in the second round, and he demonstrated that he is the premier heavyweight in the world right now. So, I think it's better for him to demonstrate that he has become what should easily be considered the best heavyweight of the of the era right now, better than Deontay, better than Anthony Joshua, better than any other prospect coming down the pipeline. And he cemented his status as, you know, a few more wins away and maybe if he can dominate the division for a couple more years as worthy of being one of the better heavyweights um, in recent history. So from my perspective, what we saw from Tyson Fury with how he prepared for this, what he said he was going to do, and I will I will uh, shit on myself because the story that we ran on Saturday for me about uh, questioning whether Tyson Fury could be the same fighter in the rematch that he was in the first um, was incredibly wrong and terrible take of me trying to kind of, uh, you know, uh, run on a tangent about a popular boxing theorem that you're never the same fighter after you leave the ring. Um, but Tyson was a different beast than he was in the first uh, fight, and he is now definitively the top heavyweight in the world, and we can now have a consideration of throwing him into the pound-for-pound -pound top 10 rankings, which I kind of think he probably deserves to be in after beating Deontay badly last weekend. He's number one on my rankings. So hey, well, he's not number one, but he deserves quickly, probably being the top ten. Quick, quickly, before I want to get to something else, and we talk about the Vegas atmosphere because we do have some Vegas stories. Obviously, we're out there a few days, too many days, like you said, two days is max, three days is pushing it. Alejandro's looking at me like I'm. And we were there, four, yeah, we were there three and a half, four like days. I, like I came back from fucking war. Um, where do each of these guys go next? Because obviously, Wilder has a rematch clause that he has to opt into within thirty days. I'll, I'll let you go, but I, I just want to say. Pass on the rematch. I do not want to see this again. I do not think that we would see something different if they fought again. Wilder just isn't as good of a boxer as Tyson Fury. It, it's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to do anything different. So I do not want to see that happen. What do you think happens next? 
Um, I would disagree with you on that. I would like to see a third match just because sometimes it's not your night in the ring. Um, it wasn't Deontay's night. Um, we Again, we all know that Tyson's the better boxer. We knew that going in and he demonstrated that. But there's still, I would like to still see a third fight just to kind of definitively put it away. And, and boxing trilogies are the iconic matchups and, and what you know history kind of best remembers guys. And I think they are good dance partners. And obviously the buildup and the, and the, and the way they go at each other and the, and the charisma makes for an awesome buildup to the fight and interesting sound bites and all that stuff so i will disagree with you i would like to see one more fight when that happens i don't know because i kind of think with you if i'm deontay you kind of have to look at it two ways if he wants to get paid and definitely guarantee himself one more massive payday because let's not forget he's 34 years old gonna be 35 this year he's getting up there in age yeah he has to take the rematch and he has 30 days from saturday to you know uh, to make uh, to get to to exercise the clause in his contract to get a rematch. When that would happen, probably later on this year. But you know, that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of uh, this, a lot of remains th- to be seen. This year, it would happen again this year. Yeah, probably later on this year. So if he wants to get paid and wants to make, you know, wants to have another pay per view and wants to guarantee himself another thirty, he's probably going to make about forty million dollars off this fight, depending on what the pay per view numbers end up being. That's not bad. He should, not a bad. No, not bad at all. Not a bad haul for for you know for seven rounds of boxing. I'd rupture my eardrum for forty million dollars. <laughs> and you take a body shot for forty million dollars. Yo, I would let Tyson Fury hit me nine times in a row me not doing any defense for 40 million dollars you would be fucked up for eternity pal i'd have 40 million dollars to fucking you would sleep but you'd on. be fucked up for eternity what's, but what's anyway. the dude from breaking bad when he falls on all the money that would be me just like laying there beaten to a pulp but i'd have 40 million dollars but yeah, so if Deontay wants one more to guarantee himself for sure one more massive payday, he exercises the clause in his rematch. What's maybe the more prudent thing for him to do is to maybe fight some prospects and get some tune-up fights, and then maybe chase his belt that he lost to Tyson Fury, uh, you know, in a year or two, and and try to maybe hope that Tyson Fury unifies the division with a match against Anthony Joshua at some point, and then get one more shot at Tyson Fury to get back his belt. So, I mean, if you want to take the conservative route and guarantee yourself some more wins and build yourself back up after the first true beatdown and beating um, and dismantling of your career, then do not exercise the rematch clause. Uh, if you want the payday, exercise the rematch clause, and we'll see this fight again probably you know, in the fall or you know, maybe you know, right towards the end of 2020. Um, I want to see it, um, but I kind of think that, and even though Deontay's advisor, Shelly Finkel, and his co-trainer, JD, said after the fight that they believe Deontay's going to exercise the rematch clause, I kind of think that he's not going to do it, but that's just again. Make, just make a prediction. Kind of no, no thinking. Make a prediction. What does he well, do it or I, not? I'm thinking. I'm leaning that way. I lean that he's not going to opt into the rematch. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That was embarrassing. Go fight like a fucking scrub once, and then you know get your get your mojo back, get some confidence back, and then let Tyson go fight Joshua. See what happens there. That's not going to happen, though. Unfortunately. Why? Why? All right. I will Is keep Anthony Joshua a coward? That's my uh, question. Yes, Deontay has called him out as a coward, and Tyson Fury is now going to start calling him out. Listen, if if Joshua and Tyson Fury fought, that would be a gigantic fight because the UK fucks with boxing in ways Americans don't, and they would sell out, you know, whatever soccer stadium over there, Wembley Stadium, and have a hundred thousand people um, in the stadium to witness that fight. Um, and they would unify. You'd have finally a unified heavyweight champion for the first time since Lennox Lewis. But it's not going to happen because Anthony Joshua has two mandatories with the belts that he owns to fight this to fight this year um and probably wouldn't be free unless you want to give up a belt until like roughly you know late fall or or early winter so it's going to be tough and also they fight on different platforms tyson fury is a top rank espn guy and anthony joshua is a disown guy so um it's going to be tough to make that match happen it should happen but again as i always say the politics of boxing are forever fucked up so unfortunately i don't think we're going to see a tyson fury anthony joshua fight and where tyson fury goes from here i mean there's guys for him to fight on the top rank levels and maybe top rank wants to make a fight with someone outside of top rank in the heavyweight division um but i don't think you're going to see tyson fury fight a premier you know, fighter unless Deontay immediately opts into the rematch. Well, that's lame. Then if that's the case, then I that's want... boxing. Though. That's then unfortunate. I want that's the fucked up nature in. of boxing. That's lame. Okay. Um, February. You done with the boxing yeah, talk? Well, February is a pretty crazy month, and I was thinking about this when I was at the fight. Started off February at the Super Bowl. I did. Ended it with this fight in Vegas. This is a hell of a humble brag here, pal. The atmosphere. Before that fight started, obviously we just talked about how it didn't live up to the hype or whatever. The atmosphere in that stadium, MGM Grand, 
felt at the same level as the Super Bowl this year. It didn't feel at the same level as when I went to the Super Bowl in Houston because I think that that was a much bigger thing. The stadium's bigger. The Miami, uh, the, where the Dolphins play Miami, it's not as big. It's kind of a smaller stadium. So it had, you know, it was a little more closed, a little more intimate. The feeling of this fight before it started, like right before, intros, all that, seeing the celebs walk through, Magic Johnson, you know, Draymond Green, Maverick Carter, Rick Ross, I saw everybody. It felt like I felt earlier this month at the Super Bowl, which I was surprised about. I obviously knew this was a big fight. I knew this was a big deal. But I had no idea it would feel as big as the Super Bowl, which is like the biggest sporting event that we fucking have, which is crazy to me, which makes me even more disappointed that the fight didn't live up to the hype. So Vegas for a fight weekend gets the chops, stamp of approval. Football guy was in Vegas living it up. I did win. Adam, ask me how much I won on the tables. I only played craps. You kept bragging the entire time, so I know exactly how much you won. Exactly. Over $900. I believe I helped you win your hot tricks at Blackjack, too, so no, you're welcome. No, no. Came, Adam came up to the oh, table. No, 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 pal. You asked me to stick around the table because you said I would be good luck for you, so I did for a while while you won a bunch of hands. No, that's I won two hands. That, <laughs> that's I, fake. You denying this is fake news, but go ahead. I won two hands with Adam standing there, and then I lost about seven in a row, and then I was like, okay, you can go. Uh, this is the that's, that is so fake. Holy shit! But go ahead. Yeah. So, but the crafts table was my best friend. Shout to Speedy Mormon, complex employee, uh, and coworker was there, and we did serious work. And you know what? Here's the thing. Here's what's funny. I didn't bet on the fight. I was after uh, we left MGM. We went to the Cosmopolitan. You know, played some table games. A dude pulled out this bankroll of twenties. He only had twenties, but it was like four grand of 20s and i'm like this is fucking weird why does he have a bunch of 20s why don't you have hundreds and and, and the dealer asked him she's like why what, what's going on here with all the 20s this is weird because like to get the chips she's just putting on all these 20s because he tried to cash it all so it's like taking forever and he's like oh i had five grands in in hundreds and i and i just lost it all on the fight he bet five grand on deontay wilder and lost that was that was chump change though compared to what was bet with other people. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there were high rollers betting hundreds of thousands of dollars on the fight. Um, but you talking about the atmosphere of Vegas, I I kind of gave you a little bit of a of I guess a precursor of what to expect. Did the way I talked about the buzz in the building and what Vi- Vegas was going to be like on a fight weekend? Did la- did that live up to the hype? Yeah, I I think it did. I've obviously been to Vegas a few times. Uh, Never for something like this. So, you know, it was cool to see everybody kind of unified and like there for one specific thing for the most part. So I think it did live up to the hype. If I had to say Super Bowl in Miami or big fight in Vegas, I think I would still go Super Bowl in Miami because Miami is just different. And I found that out this year. But Vegas definitely lives up to the hype for for a big fight weekend. Um, I'm very interested. My favorite thing was John Gruden and Mark Davis from the Raiders, Raiders owner, Raiders coach, obviously. Like, they're already running Vegas like two brothers with their parents' will, like insurance money. Like, they're just, like, they're everywhere. Like, it was so awkward seeing them on the big why? screen. I love it. As, no, no, it's awkward. Just It's not awkward. It's awkward because Mark Davis is awkward. He's, he's like a, giving he's a, a peace sign, and John Gruden's there like with this parsed weirdo smile. Yeah. So the two of them sitting next to each other to the fight. Yeah, I mean, they should be on display because they are going to be running the town Tom, come the fall. Tom Brady should have pulled the ultimate, like, trump card and sat with them and made Belichick and them just sweat. Well, Tom Brady had better things to do, apparently, but... Oh, well, I was actually kind of surprised he wasn't there, because he did a U.S. Well, Patrick Mahomes is there, so the Super Bowl MVP was there. Yeah, so, I but... mean, again, the quotient, the celebrity quotient there for the fight was astronomical. Like, the names you ripped off, you know, five or ten minutes ago, like, there were so many more there that, you know, you can't even name, because it was, it was such a hot ticket, and so many people wanted to be in the building for it. I think, um, I and... think only the celebrities were cheering for Deontay Wilder. Every normal fan there was all Tyson Fury. Well, yeah, there were, a t- there were a shit ton of more Tyson Fury fans because a lot came from the UK. But yeah, Tyson Fury does have a huge fan base because of how charismatic he is. He has a incredible backstory. If you guys don't know about it, you probably have heard about it a little bit if you read about the fight. Him coming back from the depths of depression and suicide thoughts and weight gain and drug use. And he's risen to the top of the division 
after he was there in 2005 from beating Vladimir Kitschko. But yeah, he's an entertainer. He is um, hilarious. He is an incredible soundbite and one of the most unique personalities in recent sports history. I mean, Christ, Teddy Atlas today on ESPN on Monday was comparing him to Muhammad Ali in terms of personalities. So, yeah. I, you know, that just goes to show you what kind of crossover Tyson Fury has. Um, and he is now one of the, definitely one of the biggest names um, in boxing. Maybe you can slot him number two behind Canelo Alvarez right now. Yeah, good for him. You know, I, I think overall a very good weekend. Uh, I enjoyed my first big fight experience. But now let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. And we're back. Obviously, uh, a lot else going on other than, you know, the big fight. So, Adam, I wanted to get get into our load or unload segment of the week, which is something that, you know, we want to try and do more of. We've had a lot of guests lately. But this is a purely NBA edition of the segment. Basically, this segment is our version of buy or sell. Are you loading up on this? Are you unloading this? We can do a number of different things. We're going to do NBA. The best part of my flight back from Vegas was that DirecTV or DISH was on the flight, so I got to watch the Lakers-Celtics game. I am thoroughly impressed with the Celtics. I've never been more wrong about an NBA player than I was about Jason Tatum. When he was drafted, I didn't believe in him. When he dunked on LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals, I didn't believe in him. When he was running with Kyrie, I didn't believe in him. Before the season, I didn't believe in him. I was, and I'm going to own up to this, our preseason NBA rankings, top 50 players in the NBA, I was the driving force behind having Jason Tatum in the 40s. Behind Kevin Love, who I have to watch play basketball every week on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Jason Tatum is a goddamn superstar. He might be the third best player in the East, but Adam... Did you watch the game first? Yeah, I'm not ready to put him superstar status yet, but what you're saying is He's about a superstar. His... He's a superstar. Uh, I'm not I'm not ready to go there yet. Did you watch the game s- yesterday? Yeah, I watched the game. So let me get to my point as you made your point. I'm not ready to put him at superstar status yet, but clearly he is going to be in the consideration for if he keeps us up, you know, top ten status next year because his rise and this is his third year, correct? Unless I'm I'm screwing my math. But four, his four, rise this year fourth? Third, third or fourth, yeah. Yeah, I'm forgetting, yeah. Anyway, but his rise this year has been incredible. And um, you know, I wasn't as down on him the way I guess you were a couple seasons ago. This um, season. I, thought, I was down on previous well, season. Well, he didn't make the jump last year the way we thought he would. I was down on him before this season, yeah. Last Last year was a struggle for him, for sure, 100%. And I was just like, oh, he peaked too early. He's not going to be that good. He is that good. Well, but, yeah. I mean, but that's, here's that's, the question, you, though. You're, you're quick to dismiss because, again, it's like just so early. And Danny Age doesn't really miss on these on these, uh, on these these draft picks or on these roster moves, but go I, ahead. I hate to admit it. Danny Age is, is really damn good at his job. He's phenomenal. Low, so load or unload, though. We'll get to Tatum in a second. I just want to mention how great he is. So you watch the game. Load or unload. Celtics, an actual contender in the Eastern Conference? I'm going to have to load because I was of the mindset that Boston wasn't an elite team like a month or two ago. And I thought that anyone that put them in that discussion of being an elite team, not even just in the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA itself, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought they, I thought they were missing a piece or two here and there, especially down low. We know they're kind of a little bit shaky on the front line. But with the way Tatum has elevated the team, and if you really take a deeper look into the into the parts and the way they kind of come together with Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, when Kemba is obviously healthy, and Marcus Smart, and their overall body of work, um, I think they're an elite team, and if Tatum's going to be scoring 35 to 40 points a night, how the hell are they not considered one of the top three or four teams in the in the league right now? Actual contender, though. You think they can win the East? You think they yeah, can beat I th- the Bucs? I, I mean, a million, but like, can they give the Bucs a serious series? Could they pick them off? I don't see why not. I mean, Christ, did we ever, did we see the Raptors picking off the Bucs last year? And then Kawhi, you know, went, su- you know, went Superman and, and took over. So, again, if Tatum is going to go superstar status, as you are claiming him to be right now, then if you have a superstar on your team, then they should be able to match up against a superstar in the Bucks and give them a run for their money and potentially take them out if things go right. So yes, they should be. You should consider Boston a national contender in the East if Tatum is going to play at superstar status. I am also going to load up on this. You know why? Because I am the biggest Bucks hater in the world. You know what the Bucks remind me of? Do you remember the 2008-2009 Cleveland Cavaliers? I do not. All LeBron- it's so long ago, but oh, you're t- oh no, I'm All sorry. Le- you're basically, it's, LeBron's every, first it's, run. LeBron's first yes. run. So you're basically saying one superstar and a bunch of scrubs around him. Yes. Obviously, I think the Bucks are a little bit better than that team, but Giannis- They're way better than that team. Come on. Giannis is a little bit worse than LeBron was at that time, though, because LeBron, this is the time, LeBron's Detroit game, 
was around this time. LeBron, yeah, LeBron was a better outside shooter than Giannis. Yes, I mean, but Giannis has improved markedly over the last several years. He has, but he's still not at no, that we level. Have, yeah, we have to see Giannis hit outside shots in the postseason. We haven't seen that yet because teams are still going to make him beat them from outside. And we saw the formula last year of what Toronto did to slow him down after they got up 2-0. I'm not as, I'm not as bullish on the Bucks as you are. I still think they're the team to beat. And I think you're kind of discrediting a little bit the supporting cast. I think he has a pretty good supporting cast. Not a great supporting cast, but I think a much better supporting cast than you're giving him credit for. And I would definitely say the Bucks supporting cast is better than the one that LeBron had back in 08-09. I, I would agree with that, but this team. what I was saying is this team reminds me of that setup so much. One, I would also, let, let, me talk, let me Chops, finish. Let's not forget, Chops, though, that your Cavs got, I'm going to let you finish, but your Cavs got swept by the Spurs in that in that NBA Finals. No, 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 no. I'm talking, this is 08-09, dog. This is when they won 66 oh, games. All right. So I'm lost, confusing it, the years then. Sorry. Go ahead. I referenced LeBron versus Detroit, which was when they got swept in the Finals, but they came back. Mo Williams, they had a solid team around LeBron. Here's why I find them similar. When it comes to playoff basketball, everything gets bogged down and you can slow guys down. Kyle Korver traditionally hasn't been great in the playoffs. One of the best shooters we've ever seen in the league. When he gets to the playoffs, his percentages drop. Not drastically, but you know, you know, there is a drop-off. Mike Budenholzer, I do not trust in the playoffs. I think he was a big reason why they lost that Raptors series last year. Obviously, the Raptors played very well, and Giannis got slowed down, bogged down. But Mike Bullenhoser did his team no favors. So I think that that's a big concern going into the playoffs. Because of that, I'm loading on the Celtics to be an actual contender because I think the Celtics and the Raptors can beat the Bucs in a series. I don't know if they will. I think they can. And I would even throw the Sixers in there. I'm not ready to give up on the Sixers. I don't think you are either. But in a playoff series, I think the Sixers could possibly beat them too. There's just some that maybe this should have been more about the Bucs. They might win 70 games. So it's ridiculous to say I don't believe in them, but there's just something that I need to see. I need to see Giannis take that playoff step and prove that he can't be bogged down and essentially slowed down in the playoffs from what he does in the regular season. That that's my thought on the East overall, I guess. That's perfectly logical. I mean, I agree with a lot. I agree with a bunch of things you said, but I'm not quite as um, down on the Bucks the way you are. And still, to me, they are definitively the team to beat. And I would be surprised to see someone else pick them off right now. But I would still give. I would still lean towards the Sixers giving them the best run in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the East in the playoffs. I still feel like Philly's going to figure something out at some point. You would hope so. They have too much talent. Yeah, Al, Al exactly. Horford, have you watched them recently? They hate Al Horford in Philly. Well, Those Philly fans, <laughs> they hate Al Horford. Well, I mean, it, exactly, it hasn't exactly been a great but, fit. So, But he's not. he can't be that bad. He's getting wide open shots. He's just missing them. Well, I mean, essentially you're going to turn him into like the P.J. Tucker who's just like six or seven inches taller than P.J. Tucker. Just stick him in the corner, have him play a little defense, and just get the fuck out of the way of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So it hasn't been the fit they envisioned, and I think they definitely love, prefer to have Jimmy Butler right now over Al Horford. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But it did, oh, yes. yeah, but it didn't work out the way it is. And Brett J- Brown Jimmy probably, wanted to leave. Jimmy, Jimmy, wanted to, Jimmy wanted to go to Miami. And, and he's and again, sabotaging them still. He's openly he's, recruiting Joel Embiid <laughs> is, to the Miami he is, Heat. He is mentally fucking them over for sure right now. So he is the lingering effects um, have lasted way deeper than or way longer than anyone thought. So, But yeah, I, I still feel like Philly, with the overall talent, um, and again, with that defense, and again, how you talked about postseason play, slogs down and slows down, they still, like to me, feel like they have the best postseason potential of anyone but again it comes down to execution and and if you talk about trusting coaches you don't trust Mike Budenholzer I don't at all well, do you you do, you can't no no I mean his track record in the playoffs has not been good with Atlanta and with and last year with the Bucks. awful so but again but then my my counterpoint is are you going to trust Brett Brown because he hasn't really figured this out with Philly the past couple seasons hell no I'm not trusting Brett Brown I'm saying I think Philly could surprise some people I don't think that they're going to make a run even though they were my preseason pick I I would trust Brad Stevens and you'd probably trust Nick Nurse because he did it last year. Also. Yeah. Oh, I, Nick Nurse is probably and no the, one. And Nick, yeah, and Nick, no one Nick makes, Nurse is the best coach in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. No one makes adjustments the way Nick, Nick Nurse does. He's not afraid to do shit on the fly and just and give people different looks they're not expecting. I think so. the Raptors are the one, the, the team that everybody's still sleeping on because obviously they've won like 17 of 18 games, but people are just like, oh, they, they, no, Kawhi, they won't be able to do it in the playoffs. He carried them in the playoffs. 
The I, one thing I'm too not about so that, sure that they can't make a run. Another one. No, I, I I don't disagree with you also. The one caveat about that run is that um, it did come against kind of shitty competition. I think they're – I think the – You I think play who's in were, front of you. Exactly. No, that's the counterpoint. You play who's in front of you. You can't do anything about the schedule. And the really good teams are supposed to kick the ass of the really bad teams. And that's what the Raptors did. Yep. During that like during that 15-game, whatever, winning streak. It was streak, all bad think, teams. It was all it bad was like, teams. I think the winning percentage of their opponents is like 39%. So a little, just a little context, that's all. Yeah, okay. So we're both loading on the Celtics to be actual contenders in the East. It's mainly because we don't fo- fully buy into the Bucs. And, and I think that's you know kind of like probably the common perception out there. Even though there is a solid core of people I listen to who are like, oh, no, you got to take the Bucs seriously. The, like, I'm, everybody's I'm the, sleeping on the Bucks. I'm in that camp. I'm not, really? Again, not as bullish. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You have to take them seriously, but I'm saying they're not invincible. and They can be picked off. They're tied with the Lakers as a favorite to win it all right now. Yeah, but again, if you're going to win 70 games, you should be in Vegas' eyes. So yeah. yeah. All right. So let's go from the East Coast to the West Coast. I'm going to flip this one around. Load or unload? The Paul George trade being a mistake for the Los Angeles Clippers. I can't believe you put this in the rundown. Are you going to actually advocate for that the Paul George trade was a mistake? I might. <laughs> the floor is yours. Go ahead. No, you go first, buddy. All right. These are the, right. You go to more Clippers games than me. I haven't been to one. You've been to like six. Uh, a lot more than six, pal. But oh, okay. um, I will say that the idea that the Paul George trade was a mistake is absurd. Um, why is it absurd? Why? Tell me why it's absurd. It's absurd because the Clippers had to do it to get Kawhi Leonard to get to make to justify all the moves that they did in the past several years to build up this roster to be competitive, to compete with the Lakers, to be relevant in the town, and to change the trajectory of the organization under new owner Steve Ballmer, who came in obviously about five years ago. You had to do that because if you don't get Paul George, Kawhi's not coming here. And Are we not, sure and about gonna, that? Are we sure about that? Kawhi said that. He I, people say a lot of things. They be, that has been that has been widely reported it has. and basically stood as as sacrosanct that Kawhi wasn't coming to the Clippers unless they got him another superstar. And he reached out to Paul George, and Paul George then went to his agent, and his agent then went to the Thunder and said, "Get me to the Clippers," and they did. So the Clippers had to make that deal. It was a package deal. We all know that you trade for Paul George and then Kawhi signing. So they had to make that Paul George deal. And I'm not. And just because he's been injured and it's been a kind of a a mismatch of 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 lineups and there's no it hasn't been much continuity for the Clippers at all this season. I the assertion that that's a mistake, I mean, it's this is you have to look at a two-year a two-year window which is essentially what Kawhi and Paul have with their contracts. Okay, when I'm looking at this, I'm going to remove it from the fact that they had to get Kawhi. I just want to look at it from a basketball standpoint. Here's the trade. If anybody forgot what happened in July, Paul George in exchange for Shy Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and the Clippers' first-round picks in 2022, 2024, 2026, and two first-round picks for Miami in 2021 and 2023. That is five first-round picks. A future all-star point guard, in my opinion, and a stretch for shooter in Gallinari. Do you think that they would be better right now if they hadn't made that move? Say Kawhi still came anyways, just from a basketball standpoint, than they are right now. Okay, but you're putting up a hypothetical that if Kawhi had come, but you understand that I, the, I, rash, it the seemed rationale. Like, here's my thing. Here's my thing about what he said. There was reports of him going to the Clippers no matter what before free agency. There was no oh they need to sign whoever whoever whoever. They was like yo Kawhi is dialed in on the Clippers. It's always been the Clippers, and it was the Clippers. But everything that's come out about the the um, recruiting. And the the free agent meetings, everything like that. You know, you 100%, know, we all know. Yes, hundred percent. So, and I get so that. So again, so the package that you laid out, though, that the Clippers gave up for Paul George, they justified that package as you're getting two superstars, and if you're going to get two top ten NBA players, which Kawhi and Paul George arguably are, Paul George arguably being the top ten, then that's worth the compensation that you gave up to get those two guys. So, I, again, from my perspective, I don't have any issue, and to me there's no debate that that was the right move for the Clippers to make. From a basketball standpoint, I think that they might be better with Shai and all the Shea, picks. Shai, 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 SGA. SGA and all the picks. I, I think they might. That's debatable down the road, but for the immediacy right now, when you have LeBron James playing in the same building 
And again, Steve Ballmer wanted to be a competitive, relevant franchise, not only in LA, but also the NBA with his grand ambitions for what he wants the Clippers to be in five or six years with their own arena. You have to be relevant now and you have to compete heavy with the Lakers. And the only way you could do that was getting two superstars to combat what the Lakers are going to get with another additional superstar with LeBron. So uh, from my perspective, that compensation or, or what they gave up to get Paul George in theory, was a you know two for all those draft picks deals to get both them and and the issue right now isn't is Paul George you know is, would they be better or not without Paul George just if he was healthy of course they'd be a hell of a lot better and when it comes playoff time they're gonna be a hell of a lot better with Paul George than someone else but it's been a continuity and injuries issue. are a concern for injuries Paul George over the, over the years it's not they like- have been and injuries for the Clippers in general have been a concern yes. and there's been again the lineups have been so you know all over the place Doc doesn't have the same guys available every single night they barely practice together and there's been some new additions Reggie Jackson Marcus Moore Sr. and the only question I have about the Clippers right now is what is going to be your closing lineup but other than that like they have the best personnel in my opinion in the NBA to win a title like they're the deepest team by far I, I've picked the Clippers from day one but I'm wa- I haven't wavered I still have the Clippers I'm wavering, as my favorite. I'm wavering a little bit I am wavering a little bit is that your LeBron bias coming in or no is that Le- no you know you know I'm always going to root for the king I know. um but I mean I'm a little selfish I I'm trying to th- think of how to say this without coming off as a hater, but I'm going to sound like a hater. I kind of want his last title to be with the Cavs. So, yeah, I'm a hater. So, fucking sue me, Lakers. <laughs> Lakers fans, I'm sorry. Uh, I get it. It would be very special for the Lakers to win a title this year in light of the tragic Kobe, Kobe Bryant news. But, selfishly, I'm just... I want his last title to be with the Cavs. I'm sorry. Also... I mean, I watched the the Lakers. I don't know. I can't wait. I, I don't know what to make of the Lakers because they have to rely on fucking Rajon Rondo so much. And he played magnificent yesterday somehow. When, whenever you think Rondo is going to like suck and just continue to suck, he pulls some shit out of his ass and just looks like 08 Rondo again. But yeah, he'll have some he'll have some games that'll tease you and he'll hit some three pointers like where the fuck did this come from? Yeah. Um he can still get it done at times, but I would I'm in the boat that the Lakers probably should have done something at the deadline, but then again, they really, we've been over this before, they really couldn't because they're hamstrung with a lack of assets, and if you're not giving up Kuzma, you weren't going to get anybody, and they really could have used one more wing slash ball handler. For sure. Yeah, so we're both, we're on the kind of opposite sides of the Clippers, I think. I'm wavering a little bit. I'm not ready to unload on their title shots, and if I think they're going to win the title, but I'm wavering a little bit. Sounds like you're pretty loaded up on the Clippers still. I am, yeah. I, there's no reason that nothing I've seen so far has changed my mind that they are they will not be or should not be the favorites heading into the postseason, even though they may be the three or four seed because you know they just they don't seem to give a shit right now and and all these injuries. Yeah, as long as again, as long as they're healthy and they have their horses, they should be the favorite in my opinion. Hundred percent. So here's our last one: loader unload segment of the week. New Orleans Pelicans. Can they make the A seed in the West? Zion's playing unreal right now. They're winning. A lot of games. They have the easiest schedule left in the in the NBA, I think. And the Grizzlies have one of the toughest schedules left in the league. Load or unload, Pelicans making the A seed in the West. Uh, I would load that. They are a lot of fun to watch. Um, and if Zion is healthy and in the lineup, um, the way he dominates and the way he's putting up numbers, which are just startling right now, there's no reason why if the Pelicans get in a hot streak. And as you said, they do have the easiest schedule re- remaining in the NBA. You get in a hot streak, you take advantage of the of the easy schedule. Yeah, you can easily ride that you know into an ace seat. So that would be, uh, I think, exceeding expectations because of losing Zion for three months put them way behind the eight ball. But I I would load that again. You start reeling off some wins, no reason why you can't steal that a spot from the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm also loading up on it, but not because I necessarily think it will happen. The NBA needs this to happen. The NBA needs a first round matchup. Of LeBron versus Zion Williamson. Well, we'll get a preview of it tonight at Staples where your boy will be. So, And I, I tweeted this yesterday. I I don't know what would have to happen, but I'm down for the NBA rigging the games for the Pelicans to make it. So you want... <laughs> I want them to you, like, like... You like, want the integrity of the games to be in question. Yeah, to get Zion versus LeBron in a playoff series, seven-game series, which I don't think the Pelicans would win one game. But I think every all four of those games would be fire. Because every time I, – I don't know if you watched uh, Zion versus the Warriors the other night. Every single game, it's just like, damn, how does he do that? 
Like he's he's already that good. So yes, I need the Pelicans in the playoffs. I'm sorry, Grizzlies. I've enjoyed watching you all season. John Morant's awesome. He would be fun versus LeBron too, just way less fun than Zion versus LeBron. I need that to happen. Adam Silver, please pull a David Stern like the Chris Paul trade and use your little puppets to get the Pelicans into the playoffs at the eighth seed. That's all I ask. The ratings will come back if you do so. Trust me. And Anthony Davis back in New Orleans, all the other yes. Lakers who got oh, traded. Yeah, there's a lot of storylines that make that. Yeah, how did I forget about that? There's a lot of storylines that make that matchup really intriguing. So the yeah, that'd be the, a lot of fun. The last time they played, I think it was before Zion came back for sure. Was great. Remember, AD like had the big shot at the end in New Orleans when he returned. Like, yes, give me that Lonzo Ball, Lavar <laughs> sitting courtside at Lakers playoff games cheering for Lonzo. I need that. I need that. Now I realize I don't need anything else but the Pelicans to play the Lakers in the first round. Who's guarding Zion on the Lakers down the down the stretch? Probably, is it a, probably, is it AD? no, probably Morris. You know what I saw in the in the Celtics Lakers game? AD's kind of soft. He does well. He wants to play the four. He doesn't want to play the five. He doesn't want to bang. He's well, never been about that. The Lakers are pretty bad when they have two bigs on the floor. So I know AD needs have to, to play, suck it up. He has to play center in the playoffs. I'm guessing that the Morris acquisition, uh, Markeith is going to allow I, I mean obviously Marquise Morris can't guard fucking Zion Williamson well but, no one can right but now. He, but he's a bigger body to throw at him playoff possessions down the stretch LeBron guarding Zion I think you probably would you put yeah but would you put who are you going to put if you're Frank Vogel you going to put LeBron or AD on Zion only uh, down the stretch I think you put LeBron on him AD was getting cooked by Jason Tatum cooked when that's your defensive player of the year, pal. Yeah, I need to change my pick. <laughs> he made me look like a fool. Revisionist history right now? Yeah. He made me look like a fool. So yes. Well, Adam you had S- a bad you had a bad take in your defensive player of the year. I had a bad take on will Tyson Fury be the same fighter in the fight. So yeah. we all we all fuck up every once in a while. Yeah. So Adam Silver, I'm gonna like I know you have a burner account on Twitter. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna tweet you this podcast. Please, for the love of God, just give us Pelicans Lakers first round. Okay. Moving on. Uh, that's enough of loader on load for this week. Uh, that's going to be a recurring segment on the pod, obviously. So, you know, we're going to get into some more stuff with that. Adam, another segment that we're debuting this week, the debut. We need some like uh, f- funk flex bombs. Gems of the week. <laughs> Never do that again. Gems of the week. Jasmine, don't cut that out. Gems of the week. Uh, uh, something under the radar, maybe that people didn't see that we want to highlight. I'll go first. Because I fucking love this dude. This isn't a, like a sports story or anything. Have you seen this, Adam? His name is Joey Molinaro. He is this Twitter dude who does impressions. It's on the Complex IG, actually. He did a press conference from a date meeting his girl, like fictional parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. Going with the parents, you know, that's always a little bit of a tough, tough challenge. But, um, you know, you can't hang your head about it. You got to just, uh, it's still early, uh, still a long way to go. I don't think it's going to be our last date. I uh, hope it's not. We got a long way to go here in this uh, in this relationship. But um. it's so fucking funny. It's like he does like a post date press conference and he's like, oh, you know, well, you know, the, the roles came out and everything was good. You know, like it's literally like doing coach speak for. Like real life situations, and it's so fucking funny. And his Colin Coward impersonation is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So shout out to Joey. That's my gem of the week. Everybody should go check it out. I'm rocking with him. That's my gem of the week. I guess my quick little gem of the week. I'll keep it in social media. Also, was the Michael Jackson impersonator wrestler from Brazil. I saw that. That was fucking phenomenal. I saw that moonwalking and then dropping the elbow on guys that was incredible so props to that individual who like nailed every single michael jackson iteration um he looked like i mean the the slick back hair the glove the sequined outfits i thought it was, it was incredible that guy all the props to him because he nailed everything about michael jackson and he's dropping people's elbows in the ring it's fucking phenomenal vince vince you know wrestlemania is coming up vince might you he know, needs to that's a great should point. we yeah, bring I mean, we need to recommend the fake michael jackson wrestling in brazil Headline WrestleMania. I'll put it this way. Him versus John Cena. I want to see it. I haven't seen a wrestling pay-per-view in like 15 years, but if that Michael Jackson person was in WrestleMania, I would buy just to watch him. What, him versus Tyson Fury? Would you watch? 
<laughs> that would be an incredible matchup. What? Oh, real quick before we move on to our last segment, what are the odds Tyson Fury shows up at WrestleMania? They got. I be. asked him that question. I asked him that question uh, when I sat down with him uh, in January when out here in LA. Um, he said he was taking one thing at a time, so he didn't well, want to discuss he did, that. He did the one thing very well. So he did the one. He dominated the one thing that he was gearing up for. So he's going to have some free time in his hands. And as we said earlier in the podcast, he is like the premier entertainer in sports right now. So. Um, um, he didn't really get hit that hard by Deontay in the fight. He came out relatively unscathed, not 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 in bad shape. So no reason why he can't have some fun and go do something. He loves WWE. He's always been a huge fan, and he fits perfectly with their with their you know ethos and, and what they're all about. So he's got to um, go after he won. You have to go to WrestleMania. It's one of the. It's another big spectacle in sports. You got to go. Everybody's going to want to see him down there, and he's hilarious. So so yes, Michael Jackson personality versus Tyson Fury main event. God. WrestleMania, I'm buying it. I almost want to cut edit this out because we just gave Vince McMahon a million dollar idea. For, Me to yeah, let's come with a contract. Let's talk to the legal team. God, let's get some residuals here. Vince, Vince, come on the pod, Vince McMahon. I, I have some questions. All right, uh, Adam. Last segment of the week before we uh, get out of here. Degenerate Weekly. Obviously, we've talked a lot about our gambit. I'm up so much right now. I can just place a whole bunch of bets, but there's nothing really good to bet on right now. We're in we're in probably the worst stretch of gambling of the year. After football, NBA is all right, but before March Madness. So it's like kind of a dull, you know, dull period. I would say just wait till you get to championship week um, for college basketball. To me, that's always been my favorite gambling week of the year because you have so much inventory and you have games all day, all night long and just crazy, you know, uh, finishes and just nonsense go on. That's always been my favorite week of the year to gamble is the championship week in college basketball. And you're about three weeks away from that. Do you have any uh, favorite bets of this week? You want to I keep- don't because so- it's Tuesday and we don't we don't have I'm not into the XFL the way you are which I'm sure there are odds out for this weekend I don't give a shit about that and the NBA games you know Thursday games the lines haven't come out yet so um, I don't have anything that's popping off for me I want you to explain though to our audience how you gave yourself and why you gave yourself the nickname football guy so let's get into football guy I'm a football guy well that's it I love football there's got to be a better backstory than this no the NFL sent me a hat which I wish I was wearing right now that says NFL 100 on it, and in true L- Rob Lowe fashion, you know how Rob Lowe wore the NFL hat at the NFC cha- Championship game? Oh, my Christ. I was like, I need to channel this energy because, I don't know, he just it felt right. So I put on the hat, I grabbed my football, and I'm football guy. So is football guy now officially replaced Chops? F- football guy Chops is the full name. Why don't you explain to the audience where the Chops nickname comes from? Uh, the Chops nickname, that's a, that's a long, that's like high school days, my friend. There's not really a story to it. You have you have the floor, my pet, my it, friend. It just stuck. It's one of those things that just stuck. You know, I don't know. There's not. Re- Everybody always asks if there's a story, and there's not like a fun story to it. I don't know. So randomly, one day, one of your friends just start calling you chops. Yeah, man, it just kind of stuck like that. What What do you want me to say? I was hoping you had a a, a wonderful story to spin for the audience, and no. you disappointed me. Yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint. No funny nickname there. No like no uh, story behind the nickname, but. Football Guy Chops is born, and I will be betting. Wait, now it's officially Football Guy Chops. Yeah, forever, and I will be Jesus. betting I will be <laughs> betting Christ, on the, pal. You know, the NFL Combine is this week. We didn't talk about it, but I love Combine Twitter. People talking you about- You want to go out to Indianapolis? I should have went to Indianapolis. People talk about hands- Have you been to Indianapolis? People talk about hand sizes for some reason. No, uh, no, wait, wait. Have you been to Indianapolis? Yeah, lovely city. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unload that take. Well, I, 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 I'm- if you're from Indianapolis and you listen to our podcast, I'm sorry that Adam is so rude. I will never disrespect a city like that. Well, you're from the Rust Belt, so. Yeah, okay, chill. So, it's Combine Week, and I love it. People tweeting about hand size, like arm velocity. Remember when Deshaun Watson, they were like, oh, he doesn't have great arm velocity. He's not going to be a good quarterback. That reminds me of the worst terminology in all the sports, which is arm talent. I want to rupture my eardrum with a fork every time I hear Trent Dilfer or some other NFL analyst <laughs> say arm town. So I will be avoiding the NFL combine it's like on- the goddamn like the goddamn coronavirus this weekend because I don't want to hear the fucking terminology arm talent. It's a, it's on prime time and I'm gonna yeah. and I'm gonna hard wa- pass on watching gonna, the combine. I'm gonna watch it and you know what I'm gonna do? I'm so football guy. I'm gonna like get a football and maybe eat it on a plate because I'm a football guy. 
and I'm going to learn about hand measurements, and I'm going to learn about 40 times, and shuffles, and dashes, and out routes, and I'm going to take some notes, and you know what? We're going to go from there. So Then I hope you break out all the information that you learned this weekend when we're at the NFL Draft in Las Vegas again come the end of April. I don't know if I can go to Vegas again that soon. I need like a six-month buffer from Vegas. You need that much time to recover? No, but once the draft comes up, we're like, oh, okay, it's time you to didn't, We didn't even go to Dre's. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we didn't go to Dre's. Uh, but it's because I couldn't get pride away from the table because I was doing that well. Like, oh. do you? Re- I don't. I don't think you understand the hot streak I went on on the craft table. It was fucking unreal. Uh, but yes, so I'll be watching the combine this week. I don't know what you're doing, uh, reading a book or something. I don't know what you do in your spare time. Yes, I enjoy reading. Is fundamental, pal. You should no. try sometime. Yeah, I, I need to. I'm gonna be. In full football guy mode, with my hat on, sitting on my couch, watching 40 times, taking notes, and tweeting. I'm going to tweet the Browns who I think they should draft. That's going to be my new thing this week. I'm, just I'm sure they'll be listening. Uh, they for sure listen to my takes. I told them to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. What'd they do? They trade for Odell um, Beckham Jr. Yeah. <laughs> can we actually, before we get out of here, can we talk about the Browns? And they really gave, okay, first of all, R.I.P. to Swagger, the mascot. The beloved dog of the Browns. He he passed away a few weeks ago. Someone, I don't know if it was the owner of the dog or the Browns, gave Swagger an open casket funeral over the weekend. With Swagger Jr., the new mascot, sitting there guarding the casket. So I, I have questions. What questions do you have? When you have an open casket for a dog, do you lay him on its stomach or its back? Uh, he was on his side. Oh, I got it. That makes sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense in any situation. But do you, emba- do you embalm a dog? I, I should have, have to, right? I couldn't tell by the pictures. It was on a Facebook live stream from one of the news sites in the city. I didn't. That watch seems it. rather morbid and, and weird. But then again, Browns fans are pretty fucking weird. Yeah. So, so the Browns did that over the weekend, and now we're going into the combine. Even I, I don't want to say that the Browns did it. I haven't heard confirmation from anybody that the Browns were involved. In the open casket funeral, Swagger. So who owned this dog? I, I I don't know. Maybe someone owns Swagger and Swagger Jr. and like lets the Browns use them. You know, because the I mean br- I get there's a handler for it, but it's like yeah, it's like who the Browns have an office dog. If you watch Hard Knocks a few years ago, Moose is the office dog. Just dogs everywhere at the Browns. Just, I would more, like complex more, to it. I would like complex to have that kind of policy. Yeah, more dogs than wins. I would be in the in, office in more Maria. often that happened. Yeah. Okay. So the Browns did that, but we're moving to the combine. I'm gonna tweet them who I think they should draft simply from watching the 40 times. That's all I'm going to use the bases off. So everybody look forward to that. Follow me on Twitter, Chops underscore. Follow Adam on Twitter, just at Adam Caparell, I believe. That's correct, pal. Yeah, we had some guy tweet that he loves Adam. Adam's like brash takes. I was like, the fuck he, is he's, this? Yes, he said I was fucking disrespectful, and I was said I'm, I basically said I'm here for it, or I'll, or I'll take it. So yeah. we appreciate all the listeners out there. And also, quick shout out, we got a plug from the Complex Sneakers podcast last week. So shouts to Welty, to Brendan, and to Joe for the shout out. Yes, our friends at the Complex Sneakers podcast always rock with them. Obviously, our friends at Load, uh, not Load Management, we're Load Management friends that watch less as well. You know. We rock with everybody at the Complex Podcast Network. Uh, so, yes, that's our show for today. You know, we hope you enjoyed it. All the boxing talk, some Vegas talk, NBA talk, uh, some weird Browns uh, dead mascot talk at the end there. We kind of went off course. I would say nobody cares, but it actually turned out to be better discussion than I expected. So. Yeah, exactly. Stop being such a fucking loser. Um, all right. We have some big guests coming up. I'm not going to say who, but, you know. The show's going to keep rolling. We're rocking. We appreciate everybody rocking with us. So till next time, we'll see you later. All right. This is the Load Management Podcast. Before we get out of here, a special shout out to our producers, Alejandro and Jasmine. They're with us all the time. Sound engineering done by Craig Clayton and Josh Dodd. Mixing done by Jasmine. Uh, special shout out to our editor-in-chief, Damian Scott. This wouldn't happen without him. Our director of video operations, Jen Stewart. Load Management is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. We'll see you next week, folks.